I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And I'm thankful that it's time for episode number 351 of Video Games Hot Dog, Thanksgiving Ganza. It's Thanksgiving Ganza. I think I slightly giggled during the room tone section. So, like, it'll just edit your giggles out. Well, I was thinking, like, the problem is now it's going to. If you try to remove room tone, it's going to also remove whenever I laugh. Yeah, that's that was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. We can edit that part out, too. So it's just your funny joke. <laughs> uh, how, how's it going, gentlemen? Yeah, it's been right. two weeks since we convened. It's, because it's pretty of, good. Because of my dumb trip. Yeah. It wasn't a dumb trip. Hey, guys, I have a less house than I did before. Yeah. Wes, the animator, is no longer. Uh, we moved all of his is stuff it? into various landfills and storage units. Have you got 60% less house? Have you been chopping up houses to, yeah, to I've been cheat slicing every, the, houses the real estate market? Tiny pieces and uh, putting them together. I mean, really every house is that, right? Like you, like in a way, a tree is God's house. So when you uh, take a tree and turn it into lumber, you're taking God's house, cutting it into tiny pieces, and then using a portion of it to make a house for you. Is, is God a like squirrel a in this scenario? Title. Yes. I mean, in every scenario. Okay. But like, <laughs> the thing about God being a squirrel is that it's ev- it's always oh, true. It's is it like, because squirrels, like, hide nuts and stuff, and sometimes those like grow God into trees? And that's, and that's why only God can make a tree? Yeah, yeah. Only God uh, can make a tree by hiding a nut in the ground. I see. Okay. Uh, do we not do phrasing anymore? <laughs> um, man, a nut. Like, it's it's gross... To use that as a verb. <laughs> it's extra gross to use it as a noun, but as like a non-countable noun, you know, <laughs> like you have less nut, not fewer nut, on, but, but a nut describing like, that's the worst riff. I, I don't. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm in charge of writing our games. It's true. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, uh, what 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 did you guys do during the two weeks that we had off from recording this? Breathed a lot of smoke. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it was great. The whole state of California has been on fire. Really, not the whole state, just the part that blows on San Francisco. Right. Mm. It's, it's it's trapped by the marine layer, is what I heard. By the marine layer? I don't know what the marine layer is. Is that what marine oh. is named after? I Possibly, yeah. It's not just a layer of, like, servicemen? I, I, think it, it, I, I think the marine layer refers to something in the atmosphere that happens above a body of water. Okay. But I don't know uh. what it is. But it traps the smoke above San Francisco. Huh. Is it because like often there's clouds all around, but like the center of San Francisco has no clouds. Does so that maybe mean that that's just a hole. That's like a funnel for the smoke. Just pour directly into the mission. That makes sense. Yeah. What um, did, yeah. It was. It are was there gross. never clouds like right over San Francisco? Do, well, there, there, are not, there are frequently not clouds over the mission. There will be clouds everywhere except. Is does San Francisco Weird. still have fog? Because that's a thing that used to happen a lot. Well, it doesn't. There are parts of the city that are foggy every morning. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a relief. <laughs> I was worried about global warning, war, warming. You, Getting were, war, you were issuing a warning about global warming. Right. That would be the first warning is if... Uh, what's the fog? Carl. Jeff the fog. Carl the fog. Why is what? the fog... Like, there's what? a Twitter account that's Carl the fog. Somebody at some point decided to be cute and personified san francisco's fog is carl hmm 
Hey, do you guys want to hear a terrible story about a tragedy that befell me? <laughs> I'd love hearing about your course. tragedy, Zach. <clears throat> Monday uh, morning, no, Sunday morning, I, uh, I went to uh, have breakfast and I ate, I ordered my typical breakfast and I ate a piece of bacon and then I ate a piece of toast and then I started feeling really sick and I went to the bathroom at the restaurant and I like my body would not allow me to throw up in the revolting filthy bathroom of the restaurant so I left tossed some cash onto the bar next to wow, my plate I've... went to the office which was around the corner and threw up in the office and now I can never eat bacon again because I ate some bacon oh, and the, then my body's the, poison reflex the Garcia in. effect it's it's so sad what is the Garcia effect it's the effect for like when you just when you if you get like violently ill immediately after eating some, a certain thing at Garcia's, uh, it's named after a researcher, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's named after a restaurant that serves very vomitous food. Yeah. Uh, okay. That you're that you you will associate um, yeah. that food stuff, like regardless of whether or not like you intellectually know it wasn't caused by bacon. Yeah, I, no, I, had I, I do. With, I, I had am, that with chocolate cake when I was growing up. Yeah, I had so, that with milk, and I still hate milk. And now, but it sucks because the the thing that had happened to me with was breakfast. It happened to me with the, the breakfast that I like to have right. at a restaurant. And now I'm fucking terrified of doing that again. Of breakfast. Of breakfast. Of just going. You need the breakfast bacon therapy. Like yeah. Where you just need to like be immersed in like take a bath. Like where in your bacon. dad makes you eat the whole pack. <laughs> <laughs> the whole back. Uh-huh. That's wow. <laughs> I, I'm actually really impressed that. Your body has enough of a filter that you just couldn't throw up. I don't know that that's really what happened, but I like I and I know that this is not this is a dumb thing to say because nobody is like, oh, well, I love it. But I really hate throwing up and I will yeah. go to great lengths to not throw up. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't hate it because yeah? it often provides significant entertainment. Well, yeah, like no, I don't. I also, Riff. you know, I don't like the the act of throwing up, but. After throwing up, I always feel better. Yeah, I yeah. did that's, not. That's the thing. That was the that was the shitty thing about this. Also, this is all right. Going to get into some super details here. Uh, there was not like I all the liquid had sort of drained out of my stomach somehow, so there wasn't really any propellant. So yeah. it was really kind of just like pooping out of my mouth. Oh, that is oh, bad. Man. That was no really good. terrible. You, that sounds awful. Yeah, it was. Anyway, bacon. It's good. Also, that restaurant is good, and you should have like instead of just clean restaurant. But man, that bathroom is just fucking inherently gross. Even after they clean it, it's still gross. I hate it. Instead of just paying for your meal, you should have like ordered an orange juice at the bar, or drunk some orange juice and then barfed it all over the (laughs) right soccer game. With some foresight, you know, you couldn't have predicted that there would have been no liquid in there. But boy, orange juice is what you would. (laughs) Well, Well, it's it's already going to be acidic. Acidic thing. Yeah, but. Okay, like, all right, uh, if I'm going to choose which liquid is spewing out of my nose later, I think... Wait, you vomit through your nose? Okay, we need to camp out on this for a second, Salt water? (laughs) No, if you you have a lot of liquid in your stomach and you barf, it'll come out your nose, and that's terrible. Okay, that's never happened to me. And I've actually vomited several times in the last week as well. Oh, yeah. So we're we're puke buddies. Oh, good. Yeah, almost within a few hours of each other, too, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. What caused you to puke, Jim? Oh, uh, some sort of... So, it happened to April, who also has a severe severe emetophobia, which is... uh, Apparently, she hasn't vomited since high school, so that's like... It's it's a good... It was a good run for a while. Um, 
So she had a pretty bad experience with this. Um, but we thought it was food poisoning because it was like she was okay like a day later. How um, did she was she throwing up over the half hour or so for a while? It was no, every, every it was hour? all at once. Okay. It was all like um and this happened to me later. So like same thing, like at 3 a.m. And it was 3 a.m. for her too. I don't know if the virus knew what time it was. Okay. Um uh, my my gastrointestinal system like completely emptied itself from both sides. Just like pick a middle point and just go. Well, like, yes. Like half yeah. of it came out of your left nipple and the other half came out of your right nipple. <laughs> right. Either nostril, you know. Um, also, your GI tract was filled with bees. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and then I just kind of felt shitty for a day and a half. Mm-hmm. And it was just a matter of like, well, okay, is it safe to eat yet? Um, like I tried, like it, it, Whatever biological system processes fluids was working okay, because so I could drink water, so that was good, mm-hmm. and also like eat Jello because it's basically a fluid, to as far as your body is concerned. Um, Did you try to eat like um, what, like cornstarch and borax and water? <laughs> like how do you, uh, how do you like the like oh yeah, that's oh it's, so so it's a fluid as long borax. as it's not moving too quickly through your digestive tract. Cornstarch. But I thought there was also borax in it. That's for slime. Yeah, borax is for slime. That's Elmer's glue and borax. (laughs) Okay. Well, we don't we don't need to. What, why are we talking in detail about my my did you illness? Know that, did you know that like all of the borax comes from one town in California, Boron, where the world's only like boron mine is? What really? Wait, they named the element after the town, or vice versa? Yeah. No, it's weird. That's just that's where the borax company is headquartered. Okay, like, so it's I like you know how. People keep talking about how California should secede. Mm-hmm. Now I agree. Right, we've got gar- <laughs> we've got Gilroy, which is where all the garlic comes right? from. We- Man, when I was driving, uh, I-, I drove to Arizona last week. I saw something that I had not ever seen on one of these trips before, which was a, a- like a-, a a convoy of trucks with just like a hundred thousand pounds of carrots just loose <laughs> bouncing around in the backs of mm-hmm. these semi trailers. So good. I just wanted to, I just wanted to hop in there and swim around. I just wanted to do like a Bugs Bunny. Where, imagine, you know how much Bugs Bunny liked eating carrots and you know how much Bugs Bunny liked like tunneling around and like popping up and saying something sarcastic. Imagine giving Bugs Bunny the opportunity to tunnel around inside like if the earth was carrots. Yeah. How fucking happy <laughs> would he be? He would just end up hating carrots. He wouldn't be able to say anything sarcastic. He would pop, he would pop out and he would say, Hey, Wow, this fucking rules! I just like get, but, go on about your business, Doc. I got no, uh-huh. I got no criticisms today. Okay, okay yeah, that I, I I don't disagree. There's a um, there's finally a new episode of Farm to Tabor. Oh, good. Which is cool. It's about um, it's a bunch of stories from her job as a um, a food safety auditor. Um, and the context for this apparently is that I didn't know this, but, um, grocery stores actually like the industry, uh, is, is self-policing in this respect where the, um, the food safety audits are actually mandated by the grocery stores and not by the government. So in order to sell your produce in a, in a grocery store, you need to prove to them or basically to this private contractor who's doing the safety audit, um, uh, that it's meeting a certain, certain standards. 
Um, and those stories are fun. But the reason I'm bringing this up is that when I worked at Rosart, my uh, my boss had, had a long and storied career as is like a for the listeners. This is not R O S E A R T. Right. This is the this art is a supply company that sends out catalogs. This is R O S A R T, the multimedia company that went defunct in like 2012. Uh, anyway, my boss, um, <laughs> a, a long storied career of being a, a hippie. Oh, I see. You have a friend named Joe. <laughs> that's right. Uh, he, uh, met a farmer in Mexico, like this, just rural farmer, not really connected to any town as far as he knew. Uh, and he and a friend put in a couple of thousand dollars each to like buy this guy a bunch of like modern equipment and irrigation. Um, and in return, he got, he gave them the, that season's harvest. And then they loaded up a couple of trucks with tomatoes and try to take them across the border to sell them to United States grocery stores. Uh, and they got held up in customs for like a week and all the tomatoes oh, were ruined no. in the sun. No. Um, we couldn't even sell them as sun-dried tomatoes, like <laughs> I, accidental sun-dried tomatoes. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't oh, like, like they weren't expecting to be sun to be dried. So like it's surprise sun-dried tomatoes. <laughs> right. It's they, they didn't have a chance to get scared. So <laughs> the adrenaline like, flavor is like, there. Yeah, there's no. Is that do like they do it in the adrenaline. town town of Surprise, Arizona, or whatever? Uh, the, <laughs> um, but now I'm wondering, like after having spent 45 minutes li- listening to food safety audit stories, and this was in the 70s. Would he have been able to sell to the grocery stores at all, even if he'd gotten them out across the border? And I just don't know. Well, neither do we, because we didn't hear this podcast, so we don't know anything about that. We should listen to it, though. And so should all of our listeners. It's it's good. It's a good it's a good podcast. How are you, Kevin? Uh, I'm fine. My phone is ruined. Yeah. Your phone got bricked, and you had to upgrade from iOS 4... <laughs> To, phone looks fine to me. You were to, just sending to messages to well, Riff about it. Yeah, with exploded with lasers. Yeah, Riff, did you enjoy the laser messages? What? What the fuck? I've never seen it do that. I yeah, I I got a, a text message from Kevin and I opened it and it was Kevin saying, "Oh God damn it!" and it shot lasers at me. And it was like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Yeah, that's iOS 12. It's the worst. I think that's been in there for a couple of versions. I, I've I never, I mean, I keep my phone up to date. I've never seen that. How did you even do it? You hold down the send button on a text message and it pops up a menu and then you can select from a bunch of different effects. Something oh. you can do invisible ink, which makes it so you have to, it's like the text is all smeared up and you have to like wipe it off to read it, which is pretty cool. That actually is kind of neat. It's yeah. like a, a, like people do that shit. On, like I've seen people, um, People who don't want to like go through the mental energy of solving a Picross, they'll do like these, you know, coloring book apps where they just like oh, mm, sure, tap, yeah. tap each square to color it or tap each like region. section, region of an image. Yeah. Like that seems like sending your friend one of those is like, kind of like sending them one of those puzzles. Yeah. Or if you Except wanted to like send, if you wanted to like spoiler proof something you were going to say. Sure. Yeah. So they could choose whether or not to read Can it. Can you? Can you spoiler proof just a selection from the, or do you, you just spoil- send multiple text messages? Oh, I guess you could do that. Sure. So I, yeah. So I had, uh, an unexpected situation where my phone just sort of stopped working. And the only solution was to upgrade to iOS 12 to get it working again. Um, 
Which means that I just have a bunch of apps and things that no longer work because they're 32-bit applications in a 64-bit operating oh, system. yeah. And had a bunch of personal data and stuff in them that I can just never get again, which was really frustrating and sad for me. Um, and like a bunch of old legacy, like I had always, I had planned on just retiring this phone as a piece of hardware with this OS on it so that it would, I would always have a device that could play all the old games and stuff that just no longer run. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just made me very, very sad. Yeah. That's a bummer. Uh, and it took, it also took like a day to, to repair it. I had to upgrade. I had to upgrade my Mac's operating system because uh, I couldn't upgrade to iOS 12 until I'd upgraded iTunes. Mm. And I couldn't upgrade iTunes because I, like I had basically kept my computer, iTunes and iPhone all at the very edge of what I felt like was the best operating system. And, uh, and everything since then had just been a downgrade because they, they took, they just kept taking away features. Uh, like the podcast app no longer has ability to do playlists, which is insane to me. Like, why would you take away a feature that people are actively using? Well, they say a work of no art reason. isn't done when you're finished adding things to it, but when you're finished taking them away. Okay. Well, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. I would rather... You know, we were just talking about how Patreon is undoubtedly going to get ruined because it was a website that took off because it provided a valuable service. And then they raised billions of dollars in venture capital so that they could hire a bunch of people to just slowly fuck it up until people quit using it. Uh, this is a story that we've seen happen over and over and over and over in tech where like a company gets venture capital and their service does not improve in any noticeable way. A but, lot of people, but a billion dollars just went somewhere. Well, I mean, it went to a lot of people who got rich for, you know, being there at the time that they were well, there. Well, and also like presumably to a bunch of salaries for workers sure, to do yeah. something. Well, then they have to justify their existence, so they have to right. keep so you spend, innovating. You spend six months working on a redesign that ends up being like that Twitter thing where they. They did a redesign that de-emphasized follower count, and there was a before and after photo, and it was just like maybe a 10% reduction in the font size of the follower. <laughs> I bet they spent $400,000 on that. That like seems about the, the, right. The meetings and the, you know, the, the pitch decks. The version of Twitter that I use still only allows 140 character tweets. Nice. So. Does that still run? Mm -hmm. That mm. one still runs. Crazy. Yep. I guess it was a 64-bit application. I'm bummed at all the games that I can't run on my phone anymore. I bought a new phone and it just, when I restored from my iCloud backup, it just was in iOS was 12. In iOS 11. Hmm. What, but then what, 12 is better than 11. What, what have you lost other than? Oh, I mean, just hundreds of games just don't really? run anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. anything that hasn't been updated since iOS, since the end of iOS 10, is probably not going to run. I haven't gone through my stuff recently to, to play anything, but I know. There's a little icon next to the ones that don't work. Oh. I must have just got lucky. On my, not on my phone. Oh. You have to actually run them yeah, for it to tell you a, that it doesn't work. Uh, that was not true for me. There, if you go into, like, if you go into my games folder on here, like, all of the games that require an update in order to run just have, like, a little cloud icon next to them. 
Oh, the cloud, uh, like, that's not necessarily that. That just means that you haven't used that app in a while, so it offloaded uh, it for your for your data, and then when you want to use it again, finally, it'll re-download it. I mean, that every time I tap on any of those, it says this needs to be updated by the developer to work on this version of iOS. And I think that's, right. to keep different, that's a different thing. But, yeah, yes, I mean, that, it's, that's it's not... Two different, that's two different issues. It's, right. it's, you hadn't played that in a while... And so, therefore, it is offloaded. I don't believe you. I mean, because no, that's, I, it's definitely it totally makes sense. That, it it like, is definite that the cloud icon means that it's been offloaded because I have a bunch of stuff that I use. Yeah, it, it on, totally like, makes sense that when you try to and it, download an app, it'll say this won't work on your phone. It would give you that error then. There's a, a big philosophical difference, and I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, between um, apps as a – like games are kind of like a, approached by their creators a lot of the time as like the same way you would approach a book where you write the book and then you are done with the book and you don't go back and revise the book hmm. for new operating systems. You just have this book you wrote in 1952. Um and well, like you have this book you wrote in linear B, right? Which we still don't know how to read, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and video games, like the, I think, I think like part of the reason that a lot of game the games are tend to be like that is is partly marketing, and you're trying to always get the like civilization could have been like version six instead of civilization six that you spend sixty bucks on again. Oh, I see what you're saying, but. Um, and so partly this is just like marketing trying to, to always get you to get to, to do the next thing. But like I, I, when I finish a game, I, it's really important to me that it, I don't have to keep maintaining this because I want to make a series of games in my life. I don't want to keep having, yes, I don't want to keep having to, uh, maintain them all because that would be extremely onerous after a while. There's a compelling argument to be made that this very thing is currently what is destroying my studio. Wow. Well, you're, ma you're making a like, well, so you're so Kingdom of Loathing is a game as a service, which is sure, an entirely yeah, different, different model. Yeah, but uh, West of Loathing is also turning out to require so much additional manpower that so are we you effectively do not have the team required to so are you it, talking about like for ports for yeah. like ports promotion stuff yeah random bullshit yeah yeah and these are these are like the 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 reason it's not destroying your studio is that you wouldn't be doing those ports if it wasn't profitable it's making money yeah yeah it's destroying it in a terms of creative output yeah. Right. Which is the thing that I care about. I don't care about money. I care about <laughs> making video games. Right. So. Yeah. So. But yeah, no, it's a bummer. And it would, in a lot of ways, it'd be nice if like, uh, like, you know what we'd never have to work on anymore? Word realms. So if every game that we made was just a huge fucking failure, uh, <laughs> then we would not have, we would not have this problem. What? I mean, we still support I it. Mean, <laughs> I have I have like a little corn on one of my toes that occasionally annoys me. If I cut the foot off, I'd never have to worry about that again. <laughs> yeah, this sounds pretty good, Riff. <laughs> Plus, then you'd have a cool story to tell at the bar about. If you could totally get to the bar by reasonable, oh, yeah. you can still get to a. There's plenty of one-legged dudes at bars. 
<laughs> this is a joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds very much like the opening to a joke. Um, yeah, the iOS thing is a real bummer because like a lot of games that are good didn't sell very well. And like maybe those people just like work at Target now, Yeah, you know, and it's like real bullshit or like even if they're still even if they're still making games like if the game didn't sell very well it's really hard to justify putting the time to go back putting in the time to go back and update all the games that didn't sell very well it would work with like it would have made ios tougher to develop but having it just have backwards compatibility would have been yeah so it it is definitely like there's a like there's a, a a blog. I don't know if it still exists, but Raymond Chen, his his uh, blog on on MSDN, would constantly talk about like here are some specific. Exa-. He was on the compatibility team at for Windows, and he he was constantly making posts like here are some specific efforts we went to to make sure this particular software would keep working in the new version of Windows, and like they would do things like, oh, we just have a tool to like okay if if we we know when this app calls malloc to allocate some memory we just need to pad it by 10% hmm. because like it, they there's they just have some buffer overruns in there that didn't trigger anything bad on previous versions of windows hmm. things like that software specific yes like app specific like I, I don't think i think they they would only they would only work on things that like were popular enough to be common. I almost never run into like I mean I guess now DOSBox and actually being able to run software in Windows have a pretty significant overlap. Mhm. I suppose there'll be something like DOSBox later for for the interim, right? Like if suddenly like Windows 95 games stop running Oh, they already have. Oh, have they? Like, um, I, I don't think you could run any Windows ninety like the thirty-two bit Windows games. I don't think will run on modern Windows systems. Hmm. I, guess I just haven't tried in a long time. Right? You yeah. think you could just run the game twice, <laughs> and, <laughs> it would, and then it would just be fine? Right. Right. You duct tape them together, filter out the double vision. Yeah. Like if you played the thirty-two bit version of Super Mario Brothers, it would just have twice as many levels. Right. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, you but you have the... to play two of them at a time. If you played the 32-bit version of Slayer Shock, it would be as though you had two David Pittmans who made two side-by-side Slayer Shocks. So the what makes um, Windows emulation, like the equivalent of DOSBox, hard uh, from a legal perspective is that so much of Windows is software that is owned by Microsoft, uh, whereas uh, DOS is a much thinner layer and easier to just like recreate the DOS API from scratch. Right. So like what we might see is like DOSBox will run Windows 3.1 um, and Windows 3.1 games as a result. We might see, I don't, I don't know how common this is already, but we might see like people distributing hard, like disk images of like here, like just load this up in DOSBox. It's Windows 95 with sanitarium installed or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen that for other, for like older operating systems. Yeah. What have you been up to, Riff? Uh, not much of note. Our um, 
our weekly uh, tabletop RPG campaign, the one about that sort of like Dark Souls themed, is uh, coming to an end. And the uh, the next one we're going to be doing is a Vampire the Masquerade game set in London in the 60s, where all of our characters are either real people or real fictional characters of the time period, sort of like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of thing. Hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. I haven't figured out do, who do I want to be yet. Do you expect that this setting is going to make you horny, baby? Yeah, yeah. That was I. I. I would not. I. I would not stoop so low as to be Austin Powers. But I. I was considering renting uh, our man Flint, which Austin Powers was largely based on, and and watching that. Uh, the the other two options I I came up with were because because these characters are vampires. It also makes sense to have like older, uh, you know, characters from earlier time periods. So I was thinking either Jeeves as a vampire. Of, of Jeeves and Wooster? Of Jeeves and Wooster. Uh, the, the, the uh, House? <laughs> no. That, that was, the other one. It was uh, uh, Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry. Um, the oh, prob- narrator from Little Big Planet. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The problem with that is that... <laughs> Here, play this terrible video game while I drain all the blood from your body. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was... <laughs> but then he also has to record like a thousand hours of like tutorial information for the yeah. editor too. Did vampire tutorials. Right. Hold still. Um but the the problem with the problem with being Jeeves is that the character of Jeeves is way smarter and more competent than I am. So it would be difficult to roleplay him well. Um, the, do you the, have to actually be smart to roleplay a smart character, or do you just have to make a bunch of good well, it, can you just it, say, it can helps. you just say, I want to say something smart? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Gary's I could say, like, oh, right, well, buddy, you did it. I come up with the perfect plan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other character I thought of that would, might be fun would be uh, Mary Poppins, except I'm not sure if I could mecha- like satisfyingly recreate her using vampire the masquerade's mechanics i guess if she's a babysitter and she only shows up at night to watch the children that would be fine she's also very magical and i i don't know i don't know if the she does have that umbrella to protect her from the sun that's true that's a good point (laughs) um i mean surely there's a clan that can float right uh, the the sewer ones, the they, they yeah. She can be a Nosferatu. She's yeah. like the prettiest Nosferatu. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and she just has a. No, do they just fly? Can all vampires fly? I don't know. Actually, I think I think the ones that can shape change can change into flying creatures. Well, sometimes. that's not, okay. So shape change into Mary Poppins, who can fly, <laughs> just inherently shape change shape change into the same person except with a duck handled umbrella. <laughs> And foot rockets. <laughs> well, I've always wondered about like the changing into a mist, because that doesn't seem like it should should work. Or a flock of bats, like yeah, the flock of bats is weird. Does the mist have the same mass as the vampire? Right, because that would that would seem like it would be a massive mist. Yeah, it would... there'd be a lot of mist. You mean like Uru, the massively multiplayer online version of mist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I don't, it was written a couple hundred years ago before there were dorks. 
So I don't think anybody. Vampire ever... the Masquerade. Oh man, <laughs> no. that's no if Dracula. Uh, when... <laughs> I bet there were dorks. There were no, just... there were definitely yeah, dorks. but there weren't. They didn't have the opportunity to all get together and wonder whether the mist that Dracula oh, turned okay. into had the same okay. mass as his normal body and what that would mean. And it's like, what if like some if some of him evaporates? Because it gets too close to a lantern, does that mean that when he recoalesces, one of his balls is gone? I say, Bertram, who do you suppose would win in a fight? Dracula as a mist, or Dracula as a flock of bats? Dracula as a mist, or Frankenstein's monster, Dracula or Mister Darcy? year olds <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. <clears throat> God, what if somebody? What if Miss Havisham? You could be Miss Havisham, but as a vampire, and uh, like I don't. Who is that from? Uh, from I know the uh, name, but Great Expectations. Okay, uh, I don't think I. I think she's one. just like an old maid who's like constantly waiting for her husband to show up, who left her at the altar, or something similar to that. Okay, uh, but I just remember there's like a, a shitty cake. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd like be the du- cake. Yeah, like a dusty shitty cake, <laughs> which could be your. Totem. Oh, you could yeah. be like Captain America, and you're just frozen oh, the, in a like block of the ice. original. <laughs> yes, just for the entire campaign, they just yep. wheel me around on a hand truck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of wheeling around of important old characters. Weakened at Captain America. So. <laughs> um. I mean, what if you remade Weekend at Bernie's, but it was Bernie Sanders, and it was about, and he's dead, but you're still, he's still Still running for president. president. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just being, like, puppeteered. Uh, And maybe that's already happening. Oh, man. Uh, Have you guys been playing any uh, videoed games? Sure. I, I, uh, I played... Uh, the the new the new the game that was new to me that I played that I enjoyed was uh, Human Resources Machine. Oh yeah, uh, it's I don't know why I didn't play this earlier. Uh, it it was it's sort of a simple delightful like four or five hour game. Um, it's about a, machine language programming. Yeah, it's 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 super low level programming with a handful of registers and instructions. Uh, it presents it in a way that doesn't really tell you that it's programming right and that was what was interesting like the the ending cutscene in that game is like basically a surprise you were programming the whole time right (laughs) oh no (laughs) um and which is like (laughs) it's running away (laughs) (laughs) or was that you covering your face (laughs) i i i kind of turned around (laughs) right (laughs) and like it it, it's hard to imagine getting past the last few levels without like being a programmer already Mm. yeah i mean i definitely i had optimized everything except for the last few levels and i was like i'm not gonna figure out how to what the minimal set of instructions to yeah. figure out how to do a prime you want test is or whatever like that seems terrible well, for the for the uh, factoring a prime number you actually don't need to do a prime test okay uh, yeah see i don't i don't know there's some there's probably some real clever some real clever like i ma- didn't math i, I assumed do. you did too until i just like i opened up the 
the like I was like how, how what's the optimization goal for this and it was like oh my god there's no way you could do a prime test in that space in that amount of space and then it was like oh right you don't need to like and I just thought of you know a, a factoring algorithm how, um, does, how does how do you do a factoring algorithm um okay this is this is going to be great fun for the listeners yeah, no, uh, you um <laughs> uh you um you do a loop from going up from one uh-huh if the number is divisible by that number you add that to the list of prime factors, divide by that number, and then repeat until there, until you the loop goes above the the. Um, but you don't have a string. How do you get the string of constants? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, like so, like you you just so you divide by one, mm-hmm. and so that's a, f- a factor. No, you, okay, sorry. You st- <laughs> you start start above one. You start at two, then. Okay, so you divide by two. Right. And then what happens? You. If then you have a number that is maybe still divisible by that two, so you try two again. Right. Uh, and, and then you divide by three. Uh-huh. And then you divide by... Well, you just keep going until... Four? Do you divide by four? It once... Well, it, if it's divisible by four, you do. <laughs> but four isn't a prime number. Uh, but by that time... Um, you've already, by that you've time, already divided it by things that, so four can't, won't be, you've already divided it by two enough times that it will it not be, cannot possibly be right. I see. Yeah. Okay. So it will fail on that. Aha. Yeah. So I just, I just spoiled this game for you. I'm no, sorry. no, that's good. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I just cheated by sort of preceding the, the, the play area with a bunch of prime numbers. And then just that's really compa- clever. Comparing it to those. that's actually ingenious. Uh, it, it was very it was very efficient, but it was not. It's, it's just like writing a function to just return the values yeah. of the unit test. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Well, yeah. and, and the but the game actually does like a pretty robust job on most tests of like um, detecting that sort of cheating of like of generating. It, it doesn't just. Because it, yeah, it actually in the background does a bunch of... Yeah, it shows you the test. It, it shows you one test, but it does a bunch of additional tests. Yeah. And then, like, you'll get an error like, well, that one worked, but here's an example of a test that won't work with your code. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, like, I, it was great. It was super, super delight, delightful. And Did you just do it fun. in a sitting? Yeah. Just Because oh, it's, like, four hours. It's huh. It's real short. It's only, like, 30 puzzles or whatever, and they go by real fast. Um, it, the controls are weird. I played it on the switch and it's, it's a touchscreen game. Yeah. And if you don't use touchscreen, you have to use like the joy cons as a pointer on the screen, which does not, no no good. Yeah. It didn't seem fun to me. So I just used, I just did a handheld, which was fine. Um, I was just surprised. it, It is a weird example of like, here's how you could hypothetically do programming on a touchscreen. Sure. Um, and it's pretty awful yeah i wouldn't want to do that as a like to build it complicated like, yeah yeah doing the the loop statements like the jumping thing was was were bad yeah um in particular um yeah so besides that i played uh the new games on the nintendo switch online app uh for november one of them was metroid and i love metroid so i played through that also that was also like a four hour sort of experience yeah, nice. to look anything up or anything, you just no. remember how to beat Metroid. Yeah. When you said you you enjoyed Metroid, I assumed you meant either a new Metroid or no. that you had played the old Metroid for the first time. And I was super excited that like a new player, like I I think of Metroid as a game that like I'm I have very fond memories of the first Metroid, but 
it seems super inaccessible now. Just yeah. like very like it's I mean, very it's, spiky. It's it's not that bad. The Well, it's not that bad if you know exactly where everything is and what to do. Well, like sure, but even then the possibility space is not that big. It, there are like bomb really or shoot big. every single square yeah. to no, advance. Like, no, there's, there's there's a bunch of tropes. Like there's there are, you get to a dead end and you like shoot the walls. You you very rarely are given a choice to leave a room in a way that's non-obvious. And so there are a couple of times that you'd have to figure that out, but most of the time, you know what's going on. And you, and once you get the like wave beam and you just start shooting in every direction, you'll see all the whole, the spaces yeah, that you, you can you, you shoot holes up. in the walls. Yeah, like, but you can't shoot the wave beam down though. It's true. It's true. There are like it. You just bomb the whole floor though. Like it, that doesn't take what, that much time. Do you remember the, the room where you have to freeze one of the sine wave dudes and then step on the guy and then jump up into the next room up to, up. The, to the left. Is yeah. that optional? Uh, yeah. That gives you the Varia okay. suit. Cause that one's crazy. That one, that one's more like an Easter egg than a puzzle. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely helps cause it makes you like, I, way I, hardier, basically doubles your hit points yeah. effectively. I, but it's, so I, I did a p- podcast recently, um, that I forget the name of, but I retweeted it in the past week. So I guess go look for that. Um, about the legend of Zelda, where I talked about my history with The Legend of Zelda. And that's another game where, like, like most of this stuff is optional, but some of it you just have to fucking burn a random bush to advance in the game. Yeah, okay, that... Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's more true in the second quest, and, but yeah. That, yeah, you're right. Um, but, um, you know, when I, when I played that game as a teenager, I thought of it as, like, this is this amazing experience where like you just get dropped into a world with no guidance and you just have to figure it out. Um, and then like a few years ago, I read the manual to the legend of Zelda and it actually spells out a lot for you. Yeah. Um, and I know I read the manual when I was a kid. Um, and I bet that I read some strategy guides too. I bet I read like the official Nintendo strategy guide for both Zelda and Metroid and I bet that's how I knew most of the obscure stuff in those games. It's possible. And I, so, like, like it, it, it feels like those secrets, like, are more secret than is fair. But they got away with it because of the ecos- the surrounding ecosystem. Do you think that they made the games? tougher knowing that they were going to have Nintendo power? I don't think I, that no. early they did. There are examples of games like that. But have yeah. you read um, Fan Gamer's uh, Legends of Localization book that they did about Legend of Zelda? I think I read like the blog version of it, that. It's super good and interesting. But there, yeah. there's a lot of stuff in it about how the like the, the, very, the clues that the various old men give you and so on just are much more useful as clues if, if well, you're also if, like in the original much, Japanese and right much more useful as clues and also just like much better characterized as like this feels like a character you've met. oh yeah because because Japanese has like like you can tell by the word choice that this is an old man talking in a right. way that and English like, doesn't do apparently it's a secret to everybody is supposed to be like a plea to keep this a secret right yeah oh weird. Like, the, that he's bribing you. Huh. Oh, he's bribing you to not tell people where he's hiding? Yeah. Right. Interesting. Huh. 
Okay. Yeah, that stuff was like I, I do recommend that. Well, I read the blog post, so I recommend the blog post. The book is not. <laughs> the book is like the first chapter of it is like I wasn't sure that there was really enough to this to write a whole book, but here we go. And then after <laughs> I finished it, I was like, there was not enough to this to write a whole book. Like, I would much rather have just read a handful of blog posts, right. like. Because now it's like, all right, well, now I have this book, I guess. It's <laughs> probably some nice images in the book. Yeah. 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 It's got like a weird partial dust jacket that I don't know yeah. if it's like trash or not. Anyway, that's my that's my weird relationship with early NES games. You know, another podcast you were on recently was the From a Buick 8 oh, uh, yeah. episode of... Uh, Wow, fuck. Radio Free Radio Mid-World. Free Midworld, yeah. Uh, Cole's uh, Dark Tower and Dark Tower related Stephen yeah. King book podcast, which is fucking great. It's a good podcast. Yeah. And your episode is very good. Oh, good. I liked, uh, I liked your constant deep dives into the sort of uh, cosmology and physics of how this thing might work. Yeah. I, well, that's the sort of thing that I think about when thinking about things. Um, like, like whether, whether Dracula as a mist could beat right. up, could beat up, um, I don't know, Cujo. Right, right. I, that, I, so I had listened to a bunch of Radio Free Midworld, although I stopped after when they got to the books that I hadn't read. Um, so like that was a while ago. Uh, but I wasn't sure that I would be able to like provide the, the level of insight that is they do on the regular on that podcast. Um, it turns out like just being in the context of like, we're just going to talk about this thing in depth for two hours kind of just brings it out of you, I guess. And also, I mean, I think Cole brings a lot of it. And Cole is very too. good at yeah. what he does. And yeah. so that's, yeah, that's what, like, I was kind of nervous about being on it the handful of times that I was. But then when I listened to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I sound as smart as the rest of these people. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yep>. This is <laughs> fine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's partly editing. Sure, yeah, yeah, <laughs> editing all the yeah, editing every other thing, out. every other dumb thing I said. <laughs> well, yeah. one of the like being present for the recording of that episode, um, he he coughed so many goddamn times <laughs> uh, that he went. I think he edited them all out. Like that's a, a very diligent man. Yep, that's a good show, Radio Free Midworld. If you like the Dark Tower books. Or even if you like, like go listen to the episodes about other Stephen King books that you've read. If you haven't read The Dark Tower, and yeah, read, yeah, you have read, say, Eyes of the Dragon, or mm. uh, I don't know what or, else. Insomnia. From a Buick Eight, yeah, or From a Buick Eight. From a Buick Eight was such a weird Stephen King book, too. I'm not it familiar was like, with that one. What is that? It's one? it's good. I like. I feel like it's a very good Stephen King book that came out after most of his books became pretty forgettable. Mm. Like I kind of feel like nothing that he's written in the last like say 20 years has been all that great. Mm-hmm. Like it's all just kind of like oh, well, okay. And from he keeps writing books from like 2003, so not even not too deep into the bad period it's not even a bad period it's just a kind of like forgettable period sure you know there's yeah. there's just like you know I, like i read cell like mm-hmm. eh, okay that was fine whatever yeah i guess under the dome is a thing that people like maybe but yeah. I, I uh, from a buick 8 is basically uh it's basically a lovecraft novel but set in a modern day hmm. where police officers find a uh a th- car that turns out to not really be a car, but a weird thing from another dimension. 
and the car does weird shit for a couple of decades. Huh, okay. That's, that's basically the whole plot. Yeah, yeah, it's just sort of like ambient interdimensional weirdness associated with this, like, police depot. Yeah. Uh, and them just kind of dealing with the stuff that, that happens. Right. As a result of this thing that's like, it's a thing that's shaped like a car, but it's clearly not a car. It's clearly just like a disguised protuberance of some interdimensional entity or device right Uh, right and one of the themes of the book is that like nobody understands this thing and so stop expecting this to be a story with a like an ending or any sort of like uh rule that you can understand behind it um which like actually turns out to be a failing with the book itself like it doesn't really feel that much like a story it feels like a bunch of stuff that happens. I mean, I kind of like that about... Well, it's, we're, it's we're very gonna, true we'll, to its theme. We'll get to this in a minute. Okay. Uh, that's But that's my kind of deal. Uh, and I like, I like the, you know, Stephen King gets criticized for being bad at endings. I think that, you know, and I've said this before, what Stephen King does is he sort of sets up stories that you can't really end, oh, right? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, in order to end this, I'm going to have to explain how the entire universe works, and nope. Yeah. <laughs> so here's just some more shit that happened. Yeah. You know, there's cool characters. There's cool imagery. There's cool shit that happens. You've been playing any video games? Yeah, let me pull up my thing here just to remind myself. You, did you have anything else to say about Method? Oh, just I've just been continuing to play a bunch of Seesaw. Uh, oh, yeah. I have unlocked all the levels. Uh, there are some that I just cannot beat. There's Can't one play. that I there's one that I don't even know how to beat. The other ones I just haven't been able to execute. You mean like beat, beat, or beat like with the clock? Oh, just beat. Like I gave up on huh. trying to get the clock on most levels. Like yeah. it's, it's hard enough to actually beat them at all. Um, it's a great game, though. It's very, very good. It's the Philip Stolenmeyer. Cool. Yeah. Super good. That's about it. I played uh, Epitaph, um, which was a game mentioned, created by um, the guy who did the uh, Roguelike Celebration talk about gardening games. Okay. Mm. Um, And it was an example. Max Kreminsky? That sounds right. Yeah. It was an example that he gave of a gardening game that he had made. Um, and this is a game where you, you open your web browser to the game and some columns appear that describe the history of a civilization. Each describes the history of, of a civilization. And thematically what's happening is that you're like, I guess you're like a galactic council or something like that, where you can reach in and like every, every few millennia you can reach in and touch these civilizations a tiny bit. So like... I'm going to bestow the gift of fire upon this one um, or architecture. Um, and the result is like you're, you're playing this game like by clicking once every 45 seconds or so. Um, and in the meantime, like these civilizations are like having their own shit happen. Uh, and the way this usually plays out is that before you can make more than a couple of decisions, the, the civilization dies. And so... Usually there's one or two active at any given moment, which I'm reading as like, these are the number of civilizations that are alive in the universe right now in this, in, in this, um, in this cosmology. Um, but 
uh, there's usually like, I've never, I've never seen like more than like three of them at once. And I've never seen them last more than a few minutes of real time. <laughs> uh, usually like, it's usually just, oh, this one was wiped out by an asteroid. Sometimes though, every once in a while you'll get one that gets wiped out by something you gave them. And then you're like, yes, <laughs> made a difference. Uh, I never saw, I, you know, I, I haven't looked at the code, but I bet it goes. I, I, so I think if I remember right, um, this game was made as a, uh, what he said was that it was made as a, like testing the idea that you can make the civilization skill tree fun as a game by itself. Mm. And so like, presumably it goes up to like future tech six, like civilization does. Um, but I never got it. See, saw it get past like, oh, we've got agriculture and architecture now. So I've never seen a civilization last that long, which is itself a commentary on like this this creator's vision of like how long civilizations usually last before dying out. Did you see? This is only vaguely related. Did you see that they discovered uh, millions of um, termite mounds that have been or like there's a civilization of termites that have been sort of building this just gigantic complex of termite mounds in i think brazil um and have been doing so for thousands of years and so, so like these termite, termite mounds are like as old as some of the oldest human structures in an area That's, as large as the island of great britain yeah that's Whoa. incredible yeah it's huge, and it's like it—it's something that we only relatively recently discovered, um, because people were clearing it to try to make like pasture land or whatever. Yeah, it also seems like a termite mound would eventually just get destroyed by rain, and that would—that yeah. seems like it would happen in a matter of months rather than a matter of millennia. I guess I don't know. Maybe but, it's just a very arid region. Yeah. yeah. Um. But that just, I was just thinking about like a civilization that we could touch at any time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. Give them the gift. What, what technology could we give termites? <laughs> that's the <laughs> oh, shit. little tiny excavators. Like they, the, the trick is to like present it to them in a way, such a way that they will be able to understand and use it. Right. Yeah. That's the real Facebook. <laughs> and then they die the next day. Oh my God. It would need to be something that would make their work easier so that they'd have more time for agriculture non-work activities to so if, their brains would would grow. Teach <laughs> them if we could teach them how to like grow trees instead of scavenging for leaves or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh and I played um a game called Triforce. Yeah, I saw that. It looks real cool. What is it like to play it? Um, not as good as it looks. Oh. What what is it? What kind of game? So is Triforce it? is a game that takes the takes the Legend of Zelda. Um, it takes the look and feel of it and um does tries to do like So the the inspiration for this was like the Lost Woods where you have to go in a certain like certain set of directions to proceed. And in the meantime, you're just wrapping around onto the same screen again. Right. And so the idea was like, what if you took that 
and tried to make an actual topological space out of that room, that path you had to take. Like, what shape would that object be? Um, and so this is a game that, like, you're playing Zelda, but, like, you're playing it on a torus or a cube um, and or, like, a cube with, like, where, like, when you go down the stairs to... Uh, in, into uh you go downstairs in, in in an overworld room and then you end up on the inside of the cube and you have to rotate the camera to look inside the cube to see this hmm. you end up on a room on the other side of the wall um things like that and this culminates in like uh after you finish there so there are three dungeons in the game um and the end of each dungeon is this awful like topological twisted topological maze that you have to navigate with almost no clues to actually reach the Triforce piece. Like, I think I figured out, like I, 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 I kind of just randomly walked around the first two. So I have no idea what their shapes were. I just know that like, it was like impossible to figure it out. Um, the third one, I spent enough time there that I got a kind of a glimpse of what was going on. And I think for at least part of it, I was walking around the inside of a torus, but the the since the back faces weren't rendered and the the um the black of the um where the torus wasn't was the same as the black of the background, you actually couldn't see the shape of most of what it was. You could only see the shape of the um of the part you were walking on. And so like I'm not sure that the like making the player go through that was worth what they got for it. Um, but like, so my, the, the, and my other problem with the feel of the game is that it's just not that good. A clone of the Zelda mechanics, hmm. like the Zelda combat is already kind of clunky. And this is not, is a worse version of that. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Like, and especially like towards the end, like the third dungeon where um, you're fighting the iron knuckles, where that you have to stab from the side or behind in order to do damage. You mean dark nuts? The is that what they're called? What where, is, are they called? Iron knuckles in two? Maybe. Anyway, yeah, the, those things, the things with the the knights with the shields, um, they. I couldn't figure out how to reliably damage these guys in, in this version. Hmm. Like stabbing them from the side sometimes worked. Stabbing from the back sometimes didn't work. Um, so like it was just like a, a random I, and like I'm sure there was some rule to it, but like I, it was very frustrating. Um, like and overall it's, it's, it was interesting, but like I'm not sure that like I think it would have been as worthwhile to play if it were like a tenth as difficult to actually execute all the the action sequences um there's also a second quest where um and so this is all framed with like a uh twine like conversation where like you're talking to someone else and you're both you're both playing this game together um in the second quest you get bombs instead of a sword and so you are attacking enemies with with uh with with a limited number of bombs. There's no way to refill the bombs. So like if you oh, die, geez. 
uh, and you go back to the beginning of the second quest, you still don't have any bombs, which is a really weird choice. Um, but before I ran out of bombs, I found a, uh, secret room. Um, and going in this led to more of the twine conversation, which was neat. And I want to see more of that, but like, I don't know how I'm going to, when I like, maybe there's a way to refill the bombs. I just couldn't find, Hmm. um, but like in the in the conversation, they were talking about how like, oh, it seems like a swordless run is possible because we're using these bombs instead. You know, like, like, like you would, like, like people talking about like ways of replaying their favorite games and and trying to do mm-hmm. it do it with constraints. Um, yeah, it was a really neat experience, but also like very frustrating in parts and not really to any worthwhile end. Yeah. It doesn't, this doesn't sound like a recommendation. (laughs) Uh, nah, no. Uh, like you could maybe, I wonder if there are any let's plays of this. I'm not sure it's popular enough. Um, it is like, I would say it's worth, you know, playing for 20 minutes. Um, just to, just to get a sense of it. Just to like, you know, drop into the world and see like the, uh, see the topological manipulations that we were talking about. But like, you almost get the value out of that by watching the trailer. Like, just kind of like seeing like, oh yeah, Zelda, but on a Taurus. That's cool. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a Ford Taurus. That's what I was, as what I was imagining. It's like, no, it's, it's the bull. Yeah. The, <laughs> Zelda, but in the constellation Taurus. Um, and I played, uh, Hitman 2, um, which these guys have been working on this. Like the story of IO, IO interactive is weird because like I, when, when Square Enix sold them off or like they just spun them off, I don't think they sold them to anybody. Um, th- th- I just assumed there just wasn't going to be a new Hitman game. And so it's actually kind of a miracle that they managed to pull it off and ship another thing. So I'm very grateful for this game. Um, and weirdly, I had seen rumors that like, I, I don't know if these are validated, like backed up in any way, but I had seen rumors that like this game was officially going to have a Bitcoin miner in it. Oh like, yeah, I, I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah it's very strange. I, I don't think it, I think we would have heard about it if that were the case. Yeah. Like the, if that were actually the case. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I don't know where to start with this. Like, I, I think it's, it, it feels a lot like the original game. It feels a lot by, by which I mean the reboot, the Hitman, Hitman reboot. 2016. 2016. Yeah. So it's, it, a, it does, it's like a weird puzzle game. It, <laughs> it's so yeah, for, for Hitman newcomers, Hitman is, uh, a game where, it, it's kind of a puzzle murder game. Yeah. Uh, where, um, you're trying to kill a bunch of puzzles. You're, you're presented with a kind of a clockwork world and the clockwork world in like, for example, the first level of Hitman two is here is a, like, uh, a racetrack, like a speedway, uh, all the, like the, the, the buildings and services that would support a racetrack and all the audience for it. And also, 
a um like a a m- military technology trade show that's happening in like the same convention center um upstairs from which like you can go up and meet the guy and one of your targets is the guy who's building like military like assassination robots and your other target is some like by by target I mean the person you're sent to kill is his daughter who is in the race so like Ma- uh, Maria and Andretti I, I I don't remember her name but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the Andretti uh dynasty okay. that you're assassinating here um and this is all simulated as like kind of a uh a Gale, clockwork Gale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> good good <laughs> Uh, I don't know any racer na- race driver names. Um, Dry Paula bo- Newman, Dry Bones from Mario Nicole Kart. Nicole Triple. Um, <laughs> Bry Bones. If Bry is short for Brianna, <laughs> you, now you're naming uh, Mario Kart right. characters. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> this is the only race drivers I know. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is all simulated as like a clockwork, um, a clockwork system that like, it, it feels very much like you're kind of peering into this very meticulously crafted, like, mecha- like, like at Musée Mécanique, you know, meticulously crafted mechanical diorama with all these moving parts. Uh, it feels more like that than you're actually in this world to murder people. Like, because it's yeah. so abstracted, even though it's depicted literally. Um, so much of like the way the systems interact is extremely abstracted. Um, uh, but like it is extremely satisfying. Like even if you're not going around killing people to just go in there and just poke at stuff, you know, if you, you can like do things like, you know, you, you can fuck with this guy's prototype car and he will come to, to see what's wrong with it and try to fix it. For example, and this is that's also that's also the start of one of the ways you can kill him. But you could also just not kill him. You could just like fuck with this guy for a while. Um, uh, and this is like supported by um, a very immersive sim style, like set of stealth mechanics and systems interacting with stealth mechanics, um, where like you can knock out any male character and wear their clothes. Um, and there will be like a set of people who will be fooled by this. So then you can go like, you can go behind the scenes at the, the, the racetrack. And like, if you're wearing a mechanics outfit, you will not be bothered because you're supposed to be there. But then there are like certain people like mechanic, I'm making this up. I don't remember their names, but mechanic foremen who like, they know their crew. And so they will be like, Hey, you're not supposed to be here because you're, they know that you're not actually a mechanic. Yeah. Or like if you go into the kitchen dressed as a mechanic, they'll be like, what are you doing in here? Right. Things like that. Yeah. Um, so there are specific domains that you can. Yeah. They, yeah. So like, like systems along those lines. And then on top of that, there are very authored adventure game style puzzles where if you interact with the world in these very specific ways, like you bring this item to this object and you frob it with the object, um, that you have basically, uh, if you solve an adventure game puzzle, you will, you will kill your target in, in, in a very like specific, um, usually, um, 
Rube Goldberg, Fla- Rube Goldberg, or, or like flashy, yeah. uh, like satisfying, cinem- cinematic. Cinematic way. is the word I was trying to think of. Yeah, you like get a puddle on the ground, and then you run an electric cord through it, and then you short something else out. And- yeah, things like that. But also, like things like that are just set up. Like things like. Um, Puddles with electric cords in them are just all over this fucking game. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just, just because, like, you wanna, you wanna electrocute somebody? Here you go. Um, and that's so that's not that doesn't really rise to the level of authored content because, like, if there's two of something in a game, it's a system. If you if you want to play the game where you just go in and shoot everybody, you t- you can totally do that. You can do that. You can do that, but like, um, you might run out of ammo. Okay. Or like the you might if you're not good enough at shooting they might shoot you back and you might right. die yeah um, but yeah you can totally like run in with a machine gun kill everybody including your target and run out it would just be a really sloppy hit huh. okay and like your your end of mission score will reflect that I see and but but the lady who describes your uh, hit will still say nicely elegantly done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Hitman two specifically, um, I, I really like, so there are five levels in this game, uh, not counting like the two tutorial levels, which were in the previous game as well. Um, and I, 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 I've, I've played them all now. Uh, I only really liked the first one, which is kind of a bummer. The rest of them are like, rub me the wrong way for whatever reason. Like, and I've got a different reason for each of them, but and I might go into them later, but I want to keep playing because so much of this game is like the joy of like planning, like improvisational planning with the, your existing knowledge of the level of like, oh, yeah, I got into this. Um, I got into this bad situation, but I know like there's a place I can go hide over here or I can go like I know this guy will be here unguarded and I can knock him out and take his clothes. Um Things like that. Um, and I don't know these levels well enough to be able to satisfyingly to do that yet. So it may just be that, um, I don't, haven't played these levels enough to, to enjoy them the way I enjoy the original, the way I enjoy Hitman 2016. Um, but I'm not sure that that's true because I do like the, the first level a lot. And I did the first time I played it. Like a lot of the joy, like when I say the, uh, touching these clockwork systems, and, and just observing them all interact and like the, the fantasy of like sneaking around a racetrack is a weird, like I didn't expect that would be a fantasy I would have, but yeah, that's cool and fun. Um, the rest of the levels aren't really touching that fantasy for me. Um, and the, the or, or maybe the clockwork systems are not as satisfying. I don't know, but, um, there was a pretty wide variety of complexity and compellingness in the levels of Hitman One, right? That's true. Like there were, well, there were definitely a few that like I didn't really care for, but that's like two out of six that I didn't really care for, and this one like is like one out of five that I do, mm. which is a bummer. Is but it like similarly episodic? Like, are they going to release new levels for it? Uh, I know. So they're they're all released at once. So they're not doing it episodic in that sense. They give you five up front. Uh, but I know that there's like there there's a like a season pass hmm. for new content. And you can also um if you have Hitman 2016, 
or if you pay like i think it's 20 dollars, you can get all the con- you can import the content from that game into this game and they update it with like the the new um for example the one of the new mechanics is there's a just basically tall grass and you can hide in the tall oh, grass which and then is the not pokemon a thing that- jumps out <laughs> right uh except it's you jumping out and you're throwing a wrench at somebody um <laughs> oh so you're like a monty mole right is that is that one of the pokemon what does it evolve into uh yeah uh and they so they added tall grass to the old levels and i think there's more examples of things like that so it's not just like literally importing the old mo- the old levels but they were, they were actually upgrade updating them with the new design with the new features as well hmm. which is cool like it's i don't know that i would rec- like if i were to recommend somebody get into the rebooted hitman which i like if you're interested in this sort of thing i really recommend this series and getting into it now especially because the rebooted hitman is so much more accessible than the old ones were like those games were like really hard very very steep learning curve to get into um i would probably recommend getting this one and then getting the old content as a expansion pack because those levels are still awesome um or you can probably just get the old game used for cheap you could do it that way too but yeah i I really like this series what have you been playing riff um well let's see i've been playing of course the new pokemon game uh we can say of that. Of course. Of course. We could probably save that one for next week because we're already kind of going kind of long. But I also played all the way through the Call of Cthulhu game. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. It is super good. I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. What, tell me more about this. What is it? It is. Um, I forget if it has a subtitle, but it, it's Call of Cthulhu and it's licensed by the uh, Chaosium who does the Call of Cthulhu. Uh, tabletop role-playing game and it's basically just a a computer game emulation of playing through a good module of the tabletop game Um, that sounds pretty good yeah it's you've got uh i mean you you don't get to make up your own character it's a pre-generated character this uh this sort of down on his luck uh uh private detective um but he he gets he gets called in to uh investigate the death of this woman and and her husband and kid in a in a mansion fire on on an island off of the coast of boston and i guess like her father is is an important man who feels that the the police did not do due diligence in in discovering what really happened so he hires you to go out there and see what's going on and and it turns out to be like this kind of weird old uh like uh uh like whaling village that that has because there are of course not a lot around in the way of whales anymore has kind of fallen on hard times um and just investigating the elaborate mystery of what of what is going on and uh but it's it's there's like it's cool it's all investigation it's all like first person investigation um and there's no there's no like combat like later, later in the game, as shit starts to go south, there's some like uh, some light stealth uh, sections, 
Um, but uh, for the most part, it's just it's it's walking around and looking at things and finding the important thing that you need to pick up and talking to the characters and and sometimes like you have difficult decisions to make about what you want to ask a guy about because you might only get to ask one thing before he tells you to fuck off. Um, How much uh, did deducing are you doing as the player? Um. Not a whole lot. There's there's some stuff like there is there are puzzly type things where like if you've heard a guy talking about a thing, maybe that'll clue you into a place where you should go to get the next thing. Uh, But generally, as you find puzzle pieces, the the protagonist in the game puts them together for you. Okay. yeah. Um, Did you find like I I played this and talked about it a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and I ended up backing off of it because there was a bug that would make dialogue like lock up basically like every once in a while when you got into a dialogue you just couldn't select any options and it would return you to the previous checkpoint and i just kept losing progress to that and so i decided to not play anymore until they patched it but i liked that there were a bunch of like stat checks basically it felt like a character build was a real thing but Mm -hmm. i never really understood when one of those was invoked whether it was passing or failing and yeah you know other than context i of of what result you get i don't i'm not sure that there's any way to know and also that like if there is like an escape valve for every single puzzle, if you fail all the stat checks, uh, there surely like there has m- to be, right? Because otherwise, be, right? Yeah. yeah, I I would bet. I I I don't know this for certain, but the way I would do it if I were making this game is that every for every puzzle, every possible solution to that puzzle would be failable except for the last one you try. Like if you run out of all other options then then the last one you attempt will just automatically work is the way I in terms of, even if it even if it requires even if it's yeah that you yeah. don't have any of right if it if if the last one you do requires a strength check and your strength sucks then you get lucky because hmm. obviously there's no other way to continue the game otherwise yeah i just wondered if there was like a less satisfying version of it that you could just always do if you had failed something else or, or like that's I'm really, that's also a possibility yeah that, i'm really that's curious the other way you how would this have is to do it. structured yeah how long was this game oh uh not super long i don't know how long i played it but it was a couple and couple two or three sessions two two and a half sessions so maybe like 10 hours ish Okay. Maybe, maybe not that long. Um, I wish I knew whether the problem that I had had been fixed or not. A patch has come out recently on PS4, but I don't know if that has anything to do with them also patching PC or not. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Um, nah, not really. I don't. I don't have a ton to say about the new Pokemon. It's a good new Pokemon game, but it's it's set in the first generation zone of Kalos and the map and plot is all the same. So it's it if you're either nostalgic for Pokemon, then then you'll like it. And if you're not, then eh, you it's not that big a deal. Although it's very pretty. And it's cool to see the Pokemon like walking around on the map instead of being random encounters. 
In the interest of of not going long, I will hold my questions for next week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we can bring it up again later. I mean, it's also been a couple of weeks. We can go long. That's no, true. Uh, so I played a couple of uh, the IF Comp winners. Oh, nice. Um, one is uh, the I played the the main winner, and it was like a little too puzzly for me, and I wasn't really uh, getting anywhere on it. And then I played the second one, which is way more of a twine game. Uh, it's called Boogeyman. And yeah. it was very, very good. I played, I played all the way through that a couple times. It's real atmospheric. They don't want you to play through it more than once. Like mm-hmm. I had to, I had to play it again in an incognito window uh, because it. When I went to the page, there was just, you couldn't start over. Like it was huh. just always the story. It just ended. Nice. Um, uh, <laughs> but it's just about you're like a child who gets captured by a boogeyman, and you're living in his weird house, sort of outside of normal space and time, and kind of dealing with the other children that are trapped there and doing these horrible chores for this horrible man. And you, the, I went for sort of two extremely divergent endings when I played, which I feel like the way that everybody does it, like you, you get a lot of opportunities to either like cooperate or rebel and sort of, there's just two different endings depending on which you do more of, I guess. Um, it's very cool. Uh, I wonder if you can get the, bad ending if you do the cooperate at the very end i don't know because i i tried to rebel most of the way through it once but then cooperated at the very end and got the the good ending hmm. the, yeah i mean it might not like the things might not actually be being tracked or consequential yeah. well right? they definitely there are definitely consequences as you go along yeah there, there are changes in yeah you can you know you can determine like sort of which characters live or die or or which what like what of a number of new characters will show up or yeah. yeah it's 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 real good it's neat it's very um, neat other than that i have put about 20 hours into fallout 76 and i'm sad not because the game is bad because the game is very very good i'm sad that everyone else hates the game and is just united in their conviction that it is a good idea to hang out being vocally angry about the game in public together instead of just ignoring it uh it so fallout 76 is essentially like a very very sparsely populated mmo version of a modern fallout game there are no humans except other players that that i think is the thing that probably ruins it for most people right yeah but it's like it's an interesting choice and a cool idea but 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 it's not what a fan of a fallout game probably wants well that's not but that's absolutely not true because i am a fan of a fallout game and it is a hundred percent the game that like i was not excited about it because of how shitty people were being about it and so when i started playing it i was like wow what the fuck this is just another fallout game and i love it well but i think it's the parts of fallout that you like and you you specifically of are a lot not interested in in the thing that i think brings a lot of people to the yard for sure and i and i guess like the so like it, it, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot over the last while because I like I've like the Fallout subreddit is just hundreds of threads of people shitting on Fallout 76. So some people who are like actually enjoying it and want to talk about it spun off a Fallout 76 subreddit which is just constantly being like invaded by ah. people shitting on it. Uh cool. 
Bethesda posted like a maintenance, like they, they took the server down for maintenance this morning to like, you know, like do some kind of emergency server optimization thing. The tweet on the official Bethesda account had like 2000 replies, which were all just like people being pricks to them. Uh, it's, there are like, hundreds of there there is hundreds of hours of bespoke content in this game describe this content if there are no people in this game how can you win how can you win (laughs) you You can't you just fuck around and okay like go through dungeons and do quests like there there are tons of computer there so there are tons of computers that issue you quests. There are some. Oh. There are sometimes there are robots that issue you quests. Sometimes you will find a holotape and you will listen to it, and it will be like, "I buried the treasure next to the tree," and then you get to find the tree, and then like you go look for a tree, and then you find like there are there are just hundreds the, the of. Tr- there are no actual trees. All the other trees are also players. Also, right? there are there are tons of trees. It's a beautiful environment. It's the map is gigantic. Like I'm 20 hours in. Pretty much all I'm doing is exploring. I feel like I have found maybe 10% of the map areas, that's if cool. that. I mean, so, that's, like, that's definitely what I want to play it for, because those are the places where I grew up. Like, right. literally, like my high school. Yeah, I went to your high but, school. Yeah, I was, I, I was thinking of calling you and asking you where the principal's office was in your high school, because <laughs> I needed to find it, because I found a note where some guys were like, um, I stole the key to the principal's office. We we're going to go in and change our grades for sure. I hid it in the locker by the showers, and then I went down and I found the key. But then I had already been in the principal's office. I don't know if somebody else had unlocked it or what, mm-hmm. but it was, I was mm-hmm. like, I spent a lot of time looking up. for it, but I had already found it. Uh so yeah, that could also. It, it's, be. So I just to get this out of the way, I would love to play this game, but I don't want to play a game with a bunch of like multiplayer assholes in it. So I have had four in my twenty hours. I have had four encounters with other players, okay. right? Which I will enumerate. Uh huh. One when I was creating my character, I heard an Australian woman talking. Uh, I, when I came out of the bedroom that you're in, when you are creating your character, I ran, I saw her when she, when she talked, a little speaker came up. I was like, Oh, huh. So I went in the other room. I got a headset out of the drawer. I plugged in the headset. I said, hello. And she said, hi. (laughs) And then I left the vault. Uh, Uh maybe 20 minutes later, I was in a place near the vault. A guy ran up to me and I said, Whoa, cool hat. Where'd you get that hat? And he said, over there by the dock. And I said, thanks, man. Uh, Did you then go get a cool hat? Uh, no, I, I didn't find it. I don't know if him picking it up meant that it wasn't there. In yeah, the that's, world what, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah, no, I, like, I just, I don't know. It, like, and it doesn't really matter. Like, I mean, I found one of those hats somewhere else later. It was just like a fisherman hat. Like, it was also, he like, might have been lying. Yeah, that's true. He might have been lying. Uh, uh, there was one when I was doing an event where th- there are all of these like recurring sort of public events like in Destiny 2 or in like uh, fucking Guild Wars 2. Like, like it's an MMO and I like MMOs. So like there's this like there's this Protectron that like every hour or whatever 
there's you get a radio signal that's like, hey, uh, the protectron's charge is up again, so he's gonna do his patrol if you want to go protect him, so that the scorchers or whatever don't destroy him while he's on patrol. And then you just like follow him on patrol and like kill some ghouls and guy. There's these like sort of radiation zombie things that are different than ghouls in that they still have enough, they still have their shit together enough to use guns. Like they're basically the equivalent of raiders, but they're not people. Um, and like, you know, escort this guy from these different checkpoints. And so while I was doing that, another guy came along and started helping me shoot dudes to protect this robot. And I'm like, oh, cool. We did, we had a, we did a thing together. And then earlier today, I went to a town where there were these crazy, like, there's these like big, terrifying humanoid mole things uh, that are really tough. And I was uh, fighting some of them. And then a, a very high level player showed up and was like kind of messing with me. Like he just kept like shooting the ground near me and stuff. Like I guess just to like spook me. But then he mostly just helped me kill these mole guys. And so and then I left and that was fine. So like that's it. Like. Okay. Like, if somebody's fucking with you, you can block them, and then they can't see where you are on the map anymore, and, like, the worst case is if you get killed, you lose whatever, like, scrap materials you were killed. You don't lose any of your gear. It's, like, Being able to no block, like, a, a, your opponent, or, like, I, I guess they're not necessarily your opponent in this game, but, like, when I, I remember playing, like, World of Warcraft on a PvP server, and the idea of being able to block somebody who is attacking me is an amazing idea yeah i mean i liked the threat of playing world of warcraft on a pvp play on a pvp server it made it much more dangerous this feels the same because you can't save mm. so it's like i'm playing a fallout game but you it's like what would it mean for me to save like right. it, like clearly nothing it, like it's this gigantic map that's Four times, like it just keeps. I'm taking their word for it that it's four times the size of the Fallout Four map. Like I don't know what that means. It's it, like you, it would probably take like an hour to run from the west side to mm. the east side of it. Um, and there are 24 people total on that map if the server is maximally populated. And so what, there's uh, also like all the base building stuff from Fallout Four. Die. Uh, if you die, you just get to respawn anywhere on the map, and you can go back and get a lot of the stuff that you dropped. Huh. Like, you drop a little paper bag. Anything you drop in the world is just in a paper bag, which is pretty good. Like, if you drop a missile launcher, there's just a paper bag on the ground <laughs> that if you go loot it, it's a missile launcher. Because it's tracking the items for multiple people, right? Like sure. it's uh The base building stuff is the same as in Fallout 4, except it actually matters because maybe somebody else will come and look at it and so it's like suddenly you care about being able to build a thing i mean it's like the difference between being on a multiplayer minecraft server are you on not. are you on a server with the same 24 people forever i don't know it's not clear i don't think so i think i like there are definitely like so the things that people are mostly complaining about about this game are there not being any npcs which I, because I am just a dyed-in-the-wool, like, Fallout 3 is the best Fallout game, I fucking, like... Fallout 3 had had NPCs. It did, but for the most part, you could just ignore them, right? It, like, it wasn't... Like, the people who are really into New Vegas... Like, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, I... 
I think the reason there are two reasons that I don't give a shit about the factions in Fallout New Vegas. There are three reasons that I can't give a shit about the factions in Fallout New Vegas. One is that they are all so shades of gray that I just fucking hate everyone, right? <laughs> like they, they're reluctant to just make anybody the good guys. Everything, everything has to like have this like, like freshman year nuance to everything that they're doing. And so everyone is terrible. Like two, like in Fallout 3, like the the quest where the old woman is in the shack up in the mountains and is sad because she wants to play the violin and she doesn't have a violin but she thinks that there's a Stradivarius in this one vault left and you can go get a Stradivarius for her and then you give it to her and it like opens a new uh, radio station for you where you can just listen to her play the violin that's incredible one of my favorite memories of Fallout 3 and it is about an NPC but it is about an NPC who is a lonely old woman who likes to play the violin. It is not about an NPC who wants to take over the world or exterminate another race of people or is a warlord or some shit that I don't care about, don't want to interact with or engage with or determine the fate of. And I don't like I don't know anyone like that in the real world. I know plenty of lonely women. You know, I can imagine like Oh, yeah, this is a person. This is like a person that I can imagine. But the main reason that in those games I can't give a shit about any of the NPCs is because one of the other things that these games asks you to do is to just murder thousands of people. So they're not people. None of them are people. None of them can be people unless you somehow... Get, like switch off whatever circuitry yeah, the exists ones, the in ones my with brain. names in the HUD are people. <laughs> That's like... And yeah, so I, I don't know, like it's not, I get why this is not the game for those people. What I don't, what I don't get, and this is like kind of similar with like Mass Effect Andromeda is if you don't like what this game, just fucking go away. Like, I kind of like, I, it's really promising to me that all the assholes are like, in threads hating on this game instead of playing instead of it. playing yeah. it yeah. yeah yeah which is actually that's encouraging like... to me because the reason the reason i hesitate about it isn't so much about the characters although uh, uh i do prefer a little more character in, in a story like that but just because i don't want to see another person hopping around when i'm exploring a place yeah like if can you just this game has a block feature. Can you just block everybody? I don't know how it works. I've never okay. to mess with it. Because I don't think it stops you from seeing them. I think it just stops them from seeing you. Also, it has something. You can just opt out of like being able to take damage from other players or <laughs> deal damage to other players as I far as I know. I just don't want to like, well, I didn't like it in Journey either, you know? <laughs> I just don't want like unexpected multiplayer in my games. It's... You can see people on the map, and I mean, it's you just never run into anybody. Like the in my experience, well, that, that'll you can make just play when I do that will just make it even worse. And though. never run into anybody. I don't know. I mean, I don't really want to see anybody else while I'm doing this, but when I do, it's like, eh, that's fine. Yeah, you know, he's fast travel somewhere else. So like, I think the economy is balanced pretty well. Like caps are extremely scarce. Like your carry limit becomes a real factor, like in a meaningful way. Like. Finding vendors is like it's expensive to get to them and you might not be able to recoup the cost of traveling there. 
like and it's it's like this is, makes these things like real and interesting in a way that like yeah. the fact that it's the fact that it is balanced like an MMO means that it's not exactly balanced like a Fallout game, but a Fallout game is balanced such that like there's just this kind of knife edge between meaningless scarcity and meaningless like abundance like abundance yeah that that it's not like there's not a satisfying sense of progression between those two things right it's just like a switch gets flipped and like you're not out of caps anymore you just don't need them for anything anymore yeah um so what if they took the quest giving computers and made them be people lonely women <laughs> who needed you to do errands for them sure but then you have to decide like well can you kill them right and i don't think that, i don't care can, i don't think that's interesting and it would be kill fine the if computers you couldn't. no you can't there's like some robots you, that there's some robots that, that was will the, issue quests that you can interact with that maybe you could kill but i maybe not maybe they just respawn do you think that was the design reason for it that you wouldn't that you shouldn't be able to kill well i think the design i think the reason for it is purely aesthetic like they wanted to make a game where if you saw another human be like there aren't any mm. human enemies either like they wanted to make a game where if you see another human you know it's a real person and you can talk to them okay and interesting yeah I, I really like that as a design principle yeah, yeah. that's kind of interesting um but like there's there's could you just could you just play the game and pretend to be an npc <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you can just go around trading with people you can do whatever yeah that'd be cool um there's uh there's shitloads of holotapes like the like there's a lot of audio logs which i find audio logs to be so much less offensive to my sensibilities than vo on npcs that are trying to simulate an actual conversation mm -hmm. because that is something that people are fucking terrible at executing on and like just record this as though you are alone recording something into a tape recorder is a thing that is much easier for a voice actor to pull off <laughs> in a convincing way right like, right so what if they had just not called it fallout well but it's in the fallout doesn't matter. World and fiction. Doesn't matter. I mean, that's right. I, like, I, I understand. Like, I talked to I talked to Nick about this a bunch the other day, too. And, and, like, I think there are parallels with Mass Effect Andromeda, right? There's just, like, there are certain expectations that a lot of people have of what a game in this series is, right? And when you violate those expectations, which, you know, everyone was fucking absolutely convinced that fallout 3 was going to be this abortion of a game because it was first person and real time and not like they were and like everyone shat on it and shat on it and shat well, that on was, it and shat that on was... it and shat on it for forever like the, the like the community of fans for this series is a fucking cesspool and no one should listen to them well hang on hang on that was that was the no mutants allowed community and in my memory um Basically, as soon as Fallout 3 turned out to be great and was, you know, mo like moderately mainstream, no one ever talked about or thought about No Mutants Allowed ever again. What is what is No Mutants Allowed? It was a it was web like a forum fan community. Web Fallout web but forum that was those, just like very like with very vehement opinions. Those so, people in those attitudes, I think, just well, went they are out. they I mean, are like, like emblematic of gamers in like a microcosm yeah, yeah, of gamers yeah. in general. So I mean, like, it's not like a specific like I'm not saying the same people did this. I'm just saying something about this and Mass Effect the same way. Like fucking the, the like just 
stomping their feet and being assholes until the studio like retroactively changed the ending of a game is just like oh my god fuck you yeah like, that was that if was i could super horseshit if i could just, press a button that would made it that would make it so anyone who ever was involved in that effort i could just never see anything that they typed ever again i would hit it with like i would pay you to hit that button <laughs> just repeatedly like, yeah it just yeah i mean like it's like the only reviews on metacritic for fallout 76 are from like just like off-brand like grudge review sites it's like four legit reviews and i don't know if that's just the major outlets just don't want to i like Eurogamer give it a sort of a pan did they i think they yeah, said the, oh, it was the, like they gave it a void rating yeah huh. the trustworthy sites that i've looked at for it were like this is okay but it's super buggy it was the main like takeaway that i got from them yeah i was kind of surprised chris livingston reviewed it for pc gamer and gave it like a six out of ten but you read the review and everything about it is everything he says about it is positive which is i mean i'm not gonna get into did he say exactly six good things about it so i think (laughs) I, i my here's 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 a theory that i have Major games outlets are afraid to review this because they don't think that they can evaluate it objectively without, like, getting br- themselves brigaded by people who yeah. will disagree with anything positive. That I they think say that's about a. It. I think that's a real danger. Like, the the Metacritic user reviews are at like two. <laughs> it's ah oh god. It like, video games culture is fucking indefensible. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Here's a question. Except for the fact that it theoretically impacts sales, why does anybody care? Because they wanted them to make the Fallout game they wanted. No, no, no. Why does anybody like? Why do care? I care about? Like, yeah. Why do I care about the negativity? Because I think that. Like if this the game will discourage Bethesda from trying something new in the future. Yeah, massive. They're because not making it, a new Mass Effect. Yeah, they're not game making right any more Mass Effect games because, because it doesn't of, sell well. Like if it's if if it had a bunch of sh- people shitting on it, but it sold just fine. I don't think they would. Right. Well, flinch, it, it didn't. Right? The Mass Effect game did not sell well, and in large part, my understanding because uh, of of brigading of people like finding niggling flaws and and blowing them up into not uh into what seemed like a big deal because literally everybody was saying the same thing um when i bought that game for april like the the clerk at gamestop trying to ward me away from it like Hmm. he was like don't you should do you you know about the animation problems that Yeah, I don't know how real that is. Like, don't don't give me money for this. It's also possible, like, right, maybe they made a Fallout game that is going to be a tenth as popular as Fallout 4. And, like, that's also okay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it, like, you know, you can make ten of those all for different people. Yeah. And that'd be cool. Like, you only need 24 people to play this game. That's true. Only 24 people total. Yeah. And it just, it, like, it also, like, it makes me sad to think about the people who worked on this game who have made a thing that is bringing me so much happiness now and is bringing all of these other people who I'm seeing playing it and talking about it in the Fallout 76 subreddit so much happiness and that like to have shipped a game with a fucking 50 something Metacritic score and to just have 
undoubtedly thousands of people tweeting at them, telling them that they're assholes. Protesting outside the Bethesda offices. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, this is like, I'm like a broken record on this shit. I love everything that everybody hates and I hate everything that everybody loves. <laughs> this just, you know, it's my brand. Anyway, uh, if you're avoiding Fallout 76 because of the, because of reviews, f- fucking don't. Like, if you like Fallout and you like basically exploring like dungeons that are act like gas stations and car factories and office buildings that are blown apart and stuff like god this game has a lot of that and they're fucking good there's terminals to hack and open safes and there's toilet based environmental storytelling and like (laughs) it's crafting that's fun and like like all of the systems of fallout 4 have been used to make a new game that takes place in an entirely different area of the world and has you know thousands of quests I'll get it when it's single player. Uh, <laughs> you know. How how are like the quests? Because my my like, are there a lot of like interesting authored quests, or would you say they're more like like the the proc gen quests that that they give you in Skyrim when you've done everything else in an area? They are they are mechanically like the proc gen ones in that they're not. They don't require you to go, like, have a conversation with somebody or whatever. It's typically, like, go here and find this item or go take this thing to this spot or find this thing here or whatever, right? Like, they're all, they're pretty rudimentary as quests go. But what I like them as is just an excuse to go to an interesting Mm. place that I hadn't been to and then get it, like, a number gets bigger because I did that, right? Like So they they give you, like, pointers to places you haven't been yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're all authored. There's not, there's not, I mean, there's, there's, like, some kind of, there's some weird proc gen stuff that happens, like, you can, occasionally you will get an item drop that's, like, uh, automated supply requisition and then you take it to an army like radio tower and you feed it into a computer and then it just will generate a supply drop somewhere on the map which is just a big treasure chest full of goodies that then whoever gets to it can can claim it and like you know where it is but everyone else can see it from quite a ways off because it has like this big orange flare on it and so, like, that's that's pretty interesting. Like, that's just, like, a kind of a That's kind of a neat open-world yeah. interaction. Yeah, and there's a bunch there's a bunch of that stuff also. Like, Do it's, you ever go for that kind of stuff? Uh, I, I mean, I did a couple times to see how it worked. I'm curious uh, if... So, one of the things that you were talking about is that, like, people are also complaining that there's just a bunch of griefing, right? Like, which I just haven't found. And I, like, reading other people's impressions of it who are actually playing it, they seem to not be experiencing that either. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people share your feeling, Jim, which is that, like, the fact that assholes, the fact that the people who would be griefing you on this game are instead just sucking each other's dicks in forums where they're talking about how great they are for understanding that this game is terrible instead of playing it and trying to ruin everybody else's fun. Like, (laughs) you're not really incentivized to kill other people. Like, you don't get XP for it. You get, if you do enough of it, you get, like, a bounty and, like, damage against you gets multiplied and other players, like, get paid for killing you. So it's, you know. 
And I never see that. Like every every great once in a while, I will see somebody with a bounty. Like I'll look, I'll be like looking around the map. You can always see where other where everybody else is on the map, and it's like typically like oh, really? I will figure out where I want to go based on where there aren't other people, <laughs> because that means that like there won't be these places won't have been like looted recently and no. stuff. Yeah. You can like, just see where everybody is on the map. Yeah. That is that justified like, in the lore? Yeah, how does that work? I, don't, I mean, you got a pit boy justifies anything. Sure, okay. He <laughs> just knows where all the other pit boys are. Um, yeah, there was one quest where, like, it it plays up a lot of the like. There's a lot of um, like the scenes that you encounter are a lot of scenes of protests against automation of jobs, and then also places where automation of jobs has made it so there's like a plot to this area right because like the robots that are running this factory are still running this factory and that's why there's anything to do there there was an army base that was doing like automated army training and there was like an obstacle course that you had to run which was just like press these buttons and like get there's like sort of jumping and mantling and stuff uh, to do this in a certain amount of time and then there was a shooting range but then there was the patriotism test where you go in and there's these three adjacent bedrooms with mannequins in them and these little buttons with speakers on them that you can press to like have it say some things that the mannequins would say and you have to figure out which one of them is the communist <laughs> and and like one of them you just like read on his computer is like that his dad's in a union and it's like hmm and so you dig into that and then that's how you figure out that he's the communist because he's a fucking dirty pinko union sympathizer and so then you just go tell him it's but it's like ah man I mean, it's just a fucking Fallout game. It's a Fallout game that's like just the parts of Fallout 3 that people who like New Vegas did not like about Fallout 3. (laughs) But so, you know, it's a Fallout game that's just made for me. Because I don't want to change the course of history, right? I want to poke around in a dungeon and get a better gun. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I sit. So I'm I'm with you. It it sounds good if... uh... If if uh, if if my experience with regarding to other players ends up being like yours, that'll be cool. Anyway, we are running pretty long, so we should probably talk about. Well, when I say we, I mean the three of you should talk about the assignment Soul Caliber Six. Oh yeah, uh, I installed it. I bought it and installed it on my PlayStation uh, the fourth, uh, but it took so long to install that I didn't get to play it uh, that night, and then I forgot to play it after that. I I uh I installed it and made a rad character in the character editor and then discovered that the main menu character editor is 100% walled off from the character editor that you have to use to play the single player campaign. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> So I Is made it for like, like multiplayer uh, only or something. It, it's like multiplayer and arcade mode is is right. one character editor, and then single player is for entirely like microtransaction separate reasons. I have or something. I have no goddamn idea why it is. It fucking sucks. It, it it I I tweeted angrily about it. Like, hey, you spend an hour and a half making a sweet character in our game, huh? Oh, you want to play the single player? Well, fuck you. Start over from scratch. So when I I saw that tweet, <laughs> I. Assumed you you like created a character and then started playing. So there are two single player campaigns in this game. Am I wrong? One is uh, one, oh the, the scales of justice. Yeah, I'm talking about the scale. Yeah, the scales of yeah. whatever campaign, which actually uses a 
a character that you make yourself. I think the other right. single I thought you campaign would... is the original characters. Yeah, I had interpreted that tweet as being like you created a character and then you loaded this other single player campaign, which takes you through some narratives of the all the the characters in the all the the Soul Caliber characters. Right, they each right. have a little, little mini story arc. No, yeah, this is the this is the 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 campaign with yeah, that's 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 dumb. It's that's, like, yeah, that's pretty it's like, dumb, Riff. And you can't even like you. A lot of the the thermometers or whatever you call them, uh, sliders have numbers associated with them. So you can take a fucking pencil and fucking write down all the slider numbers. Oh, yeah, or, and, or you can and, just and take transfer a it that the way. Share button. Yeah, you know but what you, you know what you do, Riff, is you just make a fucking mummy. So there's nothing to customize. And it's <laughs> well, fine. The, that's what I did. I was like, yeah, I, you know what? Just I'm just gonna make the mummy oh, because you man. don't have to worry about anything, and you just can play the goddamn game the, instead of spending two hours customizing just, a character. Just hit similar face until it's gross enough. Oh, you guys, awful. <laughs> the 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 pencil trick actually even doesn't work fully because a bunch of the sliders, like for applying well, tattoos two, and stickers and stuff, don't were have developed numbers. Developed by two entirely different teams. Yeah, or, I mean, it's the same editor. It's exactly the same editor in both places. You just you just can't move a character from one to the other for no reason. That's really that's really funny. Uh, but I mean, Did, I, I played it, the game a little bit. It was it's fine. Yeah, it's Soul Calibur. Yeah, if you it's all right. if you play as one it's of the game. if you play as one of the what is that like Mephisto or whatever that like the the corrupted people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. Kind yeah. Voldo. The, the, it was got, like one of the races name. in the editor selection. Yeah, though. the very the very last one oh, in the bottom right. right. Uh, there was like part half corrupted and, and then fully corrupted. Right. What happens if you play as one of the fully corrupted ones? Because the whole narrative is that you aren't one of those things. Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I kind of want to, I kind of want to go back. I deleted the, it already. Maybe but that's I why they needed two separate it. character editors. So you um, couldn't create one of those in the no, no, that was, scales of DDS that was, in, that was, or, I, I only played the scales of justice or whatever it was. Uh, uh, so I played, I don't know. I played like two hours of this. Oh, wow. That's, that's very diligent of you. I, you know, I, I was kind of hoping that we would actually like, play the fighting game against each other because i feel like that's what this game is right yeah like, we this- still could i guess i i don't know like here's the thing i don't have any fucking idea how modern consoles work does the fact that i own this video game on my playstation the fourth and the fact that there is a playstation the fourth at our office mean that if i you could signed like account, if i signed into it? my account on it is that gonna like delete all of nick's games or is it that can I install my to, games on You it? need to write to the manufacturer and request more serial numbers for network serial keys. I think if you log in to your account on the PlayStation, you might be able to download the game. It doesn't delete stuff. Well, okay. If you log in as more than one person, like it may be that... I don't know how it works on the PS4, but I bet what happens is that you can only play the game's that you're authorized for when you, as the person you're logged in as. Yeah. But it may be that like you could log in as a different person on a second controller and then play those the games authorized to that controller. Hmm. I so on the I remember on the 360 I actually understood how this worked. Um when you bought content from Xbox Live, uh it would be registered twice, once to your particular Xbox. Don't you mean uh, Xbox 54E? 
Uh, is that what it's called? I think so. I don't remember. Um, it would be registered to your particular hardware. I don't. I don't get it either, Zach. Um, I think or it's a Roman numerals. Checks. L I L I V E. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. I okay. got it. Nice. Good riff. <laughs> you saved the day. I solved for the joke. <laughs> uh, and again, uh, under your account, so. Anybody using that that hardware forevermore can use that content, and anybody logged in as your user anywhere in the world can use your content that use that content. But like, if they're on a different piece of hardware logged in as you, if they get kicked off Xbox Live or if their internet goes down, suddenly they can't use that content. Hmm. So like, if you buy a Rock Band song on on a particular piece of hardware, it will always work on that hardware. But if you're playing that rock band song on someone else's Xbox while logged in as you, if the internet goes down, suddenly the song is going to stop playing. This has actually happened to me. <laughs> huh, good. So, But I don't know how it works for PS4. Well, maybe we can play some Soul Calibur 6 this week. You know what we didn't do is pick an assignment for next time. Uh, I know what our assignment nice. is. Nice. So. What is it, Kevin? Uh for next week, we're going to play The Haunted Island, A Frog Detective Game. Oh, fuck oh, yeah, we nice. are. nice. Yeah. Rock. Oh, good choice. What is Hooray. that? What, what platforms is that on? PC. I think personal it, to computer. Yeah, I'm not sure. Probably yeah. just the personal to computer, if I had to guess. It, because it hasn't come out until tomorrow? Uh, I don't know for sure. I think it's going to be very delightful. Speaking of delightful, gentlemen, I've had an absolutely delightful time recording episode number 351 of Video Games Hot Dog with you. We're only 100 episodes away from our Ray Bradbury special, in which we will play every video game based on a Ray Bradbury novel as a series of, as an agonizing, exhausting series of assignments. I, are there any? There must be. There must be a Fahrenheit 451 game. You should become a Patreon so you can demand all of these games over. I should demand I should become Patreon so that I can send myself 451 you, so copies of the same email 100 episodes is only about two years Zach you know yeah. you're, you're making these jokes as if no one's gonna remember mm -hmm. people remember things for two years okay I guess I remember stuff for two years you're so fucked. I still remember what my mom looks like okay uh and I hope we do it again real soon and listeners I hope you'll join us and if you do you will and if you don't then too bad for you kakabububulaya Good night, everybody. Good night. Have a great week. There's a trick that I don't know if ever has ever been done or if it actually works where you slice up a bunch of or you remove a slice from a bunch of dollar bills and you assemble those slices into a new dollar bill. Oh, uh -huh. yeah, I've heard. And it. the I result is like you have an extra dollar bill. But like all your old dollar bills have a tiny slice removed from each of them, so they're all like ninety percent of a dollar. That's that's the reason why they print the serial number on it twice, I believe. Oh, interesting. If the serial number is intact, do that? Does it count as the whole thing? Uh, you know. I don't then know. you can just tear it in half. And also, no one at the grocery store is going to check that the serial numbers match. Right, but they're also cell. not going to take a dollar bill that's. That's like laminated. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, I think a bank would take a dollar bill that's like been torn in half and then taped back together.
They'll take, I think, 60% of a dollar bill is legal tender. Right. And so in, in this scenario, you're giving them a bunch of 90% dollar bills, <laughs> but one more than you had. Does it matter what shape the 60% is in? Because you could... Yeah, I don't know. Yes, anyway, this is what I'm really saying. That, like, we need to get the here. bank to accept <laughs> Riff, this, are you, are you like, our recording. assembled podcast okay. as a new podcast. Ah, oh, I see. 